Welcome to the fourth episode of Frontend Happy Hour, a podcast where over drinks we talk about all things frontend development. In today's episode, we talk about the recent features added to JavaScript from the ECMA 6 features, also known as ES6. If you've listened to any of our previous episodes, we like to pick a keyword that if it's mentioned, all the panelists will drink. We welcome our listeners to drink along. So what's today's keyword, everyone? ES6. ES6. And the reason we've chosen ES6 is because technically we shouldn't be calling it ES6, even though I think all of us enjoy preferring to call it ES6 instead of ES2015. But yeah, that will be our word. If it's said, uh, we'll drink and feel free to drink along. Before we jump into today's topic, let's go around the table and introduce each one of our panelists. Derek, you want to kick us off? Sure. I'm Derek Showers, UI engineer at uh, LinkedIn. Dude, did you almost say, wait, wait, wait. You almost said Netflix. And you did that the other time. Dude, you're the one who's giving a movie to us and we don't know? <laughs> Mine's uh, Brian Holt. I'm a UI and sanitation engineer at Netflix. My name is Ryan Aklum. I am a UI engineer at Netflix. I have nothing to do with sanitation. <laughs> I'm Jem Young. I'm also a UI engineer at Netflix. And you involved with sanitation in any way? Uh, only when I'm cleaning up your code. Oh. oh. <laughs> yeah, and I'm Augustus here, and uh, I'm a front-end engineer at Evernote. I also don't do anything in regards to sanitation, unfortunately. <laughs> I'm Ryan Burgess. I'm a UI engineering manager at Netflix. And uh, we also have a special panelist, a brand new one, joining us. Sarah, do you want to introduce yourself? Tell us who you are, what you do, and what your favorite happy hour beverage is. Okay. Hi, I'm Sarah Fetterman. I'm a UI engineer at LinkedIn. Um, my favorite happy hour drink is the Dark and Stormy. And I also like JavaScript, so that's why I'm here. Right on. So you write JavaScript after drinking Dark and Stormies? Sometimes. <laughs> Let's kick off today's episode and talk about ES6. Which probably shouldn't start. You know what, the are going to get really long with all these panelists. <laughs> it's going to be worse, yeah. yeah. Maybe yeah. <laughs> have the buddy system. Yeah. <laughs> the so, I guess, to, even though I started saying the wrong word there, we should actually be referring it to as ES2015 or the next spec, which is ES2016. Uh, what about ES Next? When is that leveraged? JS Hint comments? <laughs> <laughs> I think ES Next refers to... The future specs, things that aren't necessarily in there yet, but they might be. I think my pick last week was the TC39 uh, GitHub page, which shows like the future proposals, things like that. I think those maybe stage well, two and above would be called ES next. Stage like one and below are kind of just, like hopes. May or may not make it. Yeah. 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 That makes sense. No, and I've heard the term enough, and yeah, it's probably clear that's what we're speaking to. That makes sense. What's your favorite uh, features? I think for me, um, hands down, it's modules. Um, you know, it's you, you, I guess still do a lot of work behind the scenes, but I think what's what's cool about modules is there's now a spec for that, and so um, you kind of abstract that away from you, you know writing code, and it's kind of more in the compilation stage of things. So, and I think it just helps like what we've always been as community trying for, and that's you know developing modules, and and um, you know without that back, I think it's been kind of hard to do. Um, I said this in a previous previous episode, but it's kind of like what jQuery plugins, plugins. Uh, kind of used to try to be, but um, you know now we have an official spec for ES6. I mean, ES2. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I certainly agree that's going to be the most impactful thing in ES2015. Um, I don't think there's much argument that goes into that either. It's definitely going to be the most impactful thing. As far as what my favorite is, it's probably going to be generators. Just because that enables a whole bunch of different styles of programming that we never really had. Um, things like CSPs and things like, when I say CSP, I mean channel sequence process. Kind of like Go channels. It enables things like the async await, all sorts of basically very synchronous looking code that's uh, very async. Um, so yeah, that's, that's definitely my favorite thing, despite the fact that I haven't actually used them in production. But they're there to use it. They're definitely there to I think one of mine that's uh, actually like not even that big of a deal, uh, but is like the template literal. Oh, 
Yeah. The obnoxious, like, uh, to me, like, what we used to have to do, just, like, adding a variable and calling that into a string, just not having to do that anymore and using the backslashes for uh, quotes, things like that, I I love that. I think that is, like, even though it's really simple, it just makes your life that much easier and, like, a lot cleaner code. Yeah, probably a a feature in itself of ES um, 2015. (laughs) It's just the syntax of the sugar that they add on everything, and that's one of them, but, like, you know, even at first I was kind of, uh, I wasn't too crazy about the arrow functions because like, oh, it's like, what is that? Um, but now that I'm so used to it, um, I, I really like it. I think it makes the code look a lot cleaner. I'm a big fan of destructuring. I think that's changed the way I wrote code a lot. Yeah, the destruction is good. That makes sense. I'm curious about modules though. I wonder how impactful are modules going to be to the way most UI engineers write code? Because I feel like Right now with Webpack and Browserify and Babel and all those transpilers, I think most of the professional UI engineers, or a lot of professional UI engineers, have been writing modules for, for some time now. I don't know anyone that's still you know, putting 5,000 lines of code under document.ready anymore, but right. I mean, yeah. I think it's, I think just that's kind of nice, like something like Browserify. Uh, definitely pushed us in that right direction. We've had common JS. I mean, no yeah, right. I think so, that's the AMD cool thing. Well. Yeah, AMD was another example back. Quite a lot of stuff. No, I think it, um, in the immediate future it makes a little difference um, because we're already using Browserify. Most people, most companies are already on Browserify and or above. I don't say above, but at least oh, something equivalent. But you have to look more forward into HTTP two. Um, which is going to fundamentally change the way that we write code once it's finally firmly ado- adopted and we can write code that way. Then we can start saying import module, and those files don't actually have to be prepackaged together. We can actually asynchronously fetch those for you on the fly. And that's going to be really important because we have one connection with HTTP2, it can multiplex all those files down to you, and uh, basically allows you to have this asynchronous style of programming. No build step. Um, it also allows you to do dead code elimination. It allows for some really, really, really cool patterns that just were not previously available. Not without a lot of jumping through hoops with CommonJS and with repackaging, pre-processing, and all your files. I think the advantage, though, is that, is that the syntax is going to change. So I think, like, even though we've already had, we've had CommonJS for a while and AMD, it's hard, I think, as a, especially as somebody coming in new, to kind of figure out how that all works. And there's, you know, different multiples, you know, different specs for depending on, on how you want to do it. So uh, I think the advantage with, this, again, I guess it goes back to the, the sugar, uh, you know, just making everything nice, and you don't have to relearn something once HTTP2 comes out. And if, you're just, and if you're just learning JavaScript, then you can just start writing it this way, and yeah. you don't have to worry about what it was in ES5, which is really cool. I think modules are more, it guides the way we're going to do JavaScript. So that was the intent of, um, of like, TC39, everybody, to say, like, hey, we actually explicitly want to make JavaScript more modular, rather than, like, there's constant debate, like, do we make it modular? Do we make it, like, monolithic? Who knows? Then when the, the whole, you guys remember the left pad? Oh, yeah. Like, the, yeah. So everybody's like, the JavaScript haters are like, this is why you shouldn't do modular, because, like, everybody depends on this, and do you really need a module for this? But in reality, that's what they intended. Like, that's the way JavaScript mm-hmm. is going to work in the future, and that's that's more what the modules are saying, is, like, module, modular systems, small, compact, easily testable files is the future of how we're going to write JavaScript. Do you want to quickly explain to you what a little short brief description of what the left pad was? <laughs> uh, while staying politically correct and out of the controversy. Sure. Um, so there's yeah, this just dude. Just yourself and just get right into yeah. it. <laughs> <laughs> so there's this dude, and he, um, ignoring what happened with Kick and everything. So essentially, a big company wanted his package name, and he said no, and they tried to resolve it. I don't know, I, amicably or not. But essentially, he got mad and unpublished all his packages, um, one of which was left pad, which just added padding to the left side of the string. Uh, unfortunately, a lot of packages depended on that. So when he unpublished, uh, things like Babel, there's some other ones that broke. Literally every. Yeah, there was a lot. Babel was Babel probably, yeah, Babel was probably the big one. one. Yeah. Quote unquote broke the internet. Which breaks, and, and it does. It actually breaks, breaks a lot of projects in like, you know, companies like Netflix, LinkedIn, Evernote, like, we, we all depend on this, and so yeah, that was actually a big problem. Is that it actually breaks Babel, which is pretty important. Yeah, I think overall, I think it was good though. I think it taught us a valuable mm-hmm. lesson about yeah. modularity and the way we're doing packaging currently, and how we need to fix it in the future. So, you know, hopefully, no harm, no foul. But I'm sure some companies broke their builds. But, <laughs> you know, 
Well, I mean, it should show companies that you need something sitting in front of the NPM. You can't just depend on the, the public registry. Yeah. Yeah. In terms of like ES6, I think a lot. Of, oh, we went. Oh, dang it. Oh, <laughs> but yeah, in terms of like, I don't think you have the right spirit, Augustus. <laughs> oh, like, dang it. But in terms of ES2015, uh, <laughs> let's, let's always say it like that. Yeah. <laughs> ES2015 features, I think you guys hit a lot of the ones that I really like. I actually am a huge fan of template strings. Um, I, I kind of like to keep markup in JavaScript, but then there's, there were times when I had, I like was playing around with it and it's just so much simpler and like string substitution is so like convenient and makes my code way more legible. And I guess just in general, ES6, how it's kind of, kind of supporting this asynchronous like programming, like callback hell is just less of an issue and stuff like that. Really make that stuff. I think one of my most underappreciated features is just the, semantic naming of like functions when you I don't know what the actual like term for it is, but having to not write the name twice when you're using it as a property. Oh okay. Uh enhanced object literal notation. Yeah. That's ridiculous naming. <laughs> <laughs> you need something simpler. You're like, yeah, that's that's confusing. It took me a while for that one to stick to. Whenever I try to see what's involved in enhanced object literals, I'd always have to look it up since it was I don't remember what I'm looking at. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Since we're going on a rant about like weird JavaScript names, like enhanced optic literal is kind of like one of those. I'll say this, and it's been bugging me for a long time. Lexical scoping. Everybody says lexical scoping, <laughs> but if I say what is lexical scoping, like explains me in detail, they'll be like, "Well, you know, it's hoisting." Po- <laughs> yeah, yeah, but like you can try to Google lexical scoping, and it's like fifty stack overflows, and like people like trying to explain it, but no one really. <laughs> understands it, so I think we should just stop saying lexicoping and just like say block scoping or something. That's sound as fancy though. That's true. Mm-hmm. You just sound smarter when you say lexical. Well, actually, lexical scoping means that I can. <laughs> Pretty sure I got an interview once because I threw that one out there. Oh, nice. Oh. <laughs> well, and like, it, let's let's actually get into it. It's not actually technically lexical scoping. <clears throat> um, a lot of people. So the background here is when you create a new arrow function, people say that it has lexical scoping, right? Which is exactly what no one knows what it actually means. <laughs> I, I'm guilty, totally guilty party sitting right here. I'm pointing at myself. You can't see that. <laughs> also at Ryan. Both of them. Which one? Both of you. There's a great um, article from Getify, Kyle Simpson, about uh, this very issue. And when you create a new error function, it's not actually creating new scope at all. It's just using whatever scope it's already in. Which is not lexical scoping, which would be creating new scope in, in, the, um, in that uh, that particular scope, right? So, uh, that's what would lexical scoping would be. It's actually just not creating any new scope at all. I, the thing about arrow functions with me is I think it is the most overused ES6 feature. It's you you need to know what you're doing when you're creating a arrow yeah, function, you, right? You're, it, it's an, Shortcut for an anonymous function. And I think that right there, you need to realize it's an anonymous function. So if you want to debug these and have a named function for debugging, a fat arrow function is a terrible idea. So Fair I, enough. I could see I could see where you're getting yeah, at. If you're is trying to debug it, code with tons and tons of arrow functions, fat arrow functions in it, yeah. it's going to be difficult because you're just going to see anonymous function all over the place. So unless you really want that non, you know, new binding scope or that new scope inside that function, just Right, fucking word. <laughs> Simple as that. And then give it a name. But that's we're lazy. We don't want to write the word function. Right, but you also don't want to spend extra time debugging that shit when it breaks. Sure. Well, I don't write bugs in my code, so you never write code. That's in your code. <laughs> yeah, that's true. You want to see that pull request I opened up for the uh, front and happy hour website? That is true. We'll talk about that. Don't worry, we have sanitation engineers everywhere. <laughs> <Yes>. Exactly. <laughs> All right, now that we've talked about the different features that we enjoy, uh, one big thing that was with uh, ES2015, almost said the other word. Uh, <laughs> but the other word? The other word is ES6. <laughs> oh. Oh. All right, so we've talked about the different features. One thing that we should probably dive into is classes or no classes. How does everyone feel about that? And we can kind of go into more depth of classes. Well, clearly no one picked it as their favorite feature. That so. is true. Yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, I think classes are fun if you know what you're getting yourself into. The, I feel like the biggest problem with classes that I feel 
that I speak on behalf of everyone in the world when I say this is that <laughs> <laughs> that they're a lie. They're just a dirty, filthy lie. <laughs> <laughs> like you look at uh, at classes and you think like, oh, I'm in Java land. That this is mm-hmm. like classical inheritance. Like you have these certain expectations. You see class. You see this certain style of code. And it carries all this with this connotation of classical inheritance, and it's it's a, it's a dirty lie, it's a dirty, filthy lie. <laughs> I like how it makes my code look. I think they're really clean, um, but I also totally agree with you. I hate the fact when someone says, "Oh, classes are going to make it easier for people that are into an OO language, you know, easier to pick up JavaScript." And that's, you know, not how it should be. You should embrace JavaScript for what it is. It's not an object-oriented classical inheritance language, right? It's well, and I think it makes it maybe that a little bit easier, but I don't really think it makes it easier for someone, say, writing Java to just write JavaScript no, now. It, yeah, it, it actually does. You like, should never write JavaScript like you would write Java. No, I agree. And that's the the problem that I don't just really... Just like Wit, otherwise. Oh, <laughs> oh Wit, Wit is just a mess. <laughs> mm-hmm. All right, could you guys explain what Wit is for people who don't I'm going to let Augustus explain um, it. Sure. Because, <laughs> we, yeah, basically, like, Wit is just a way to write... You can write Java, and then Google made this framework where in Java it will compile down to like JavaScript so you can get all the benefits of Java and the object oriented programming so we use it for our web client and stuff oh I'm so sorry yeah, yeah. <laughs> wait you, you don't still use it though too much yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. cheers so, so what we're saying is you shouldn't use GWT I mean, I, I, so, yes. so, no, but, I, 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 I mean, yeah. well, so, Quid had a place when it was created. I mean, there was definitely, like, when it was created, it had a time when Java was, like, the most popular language at the time. So people thought it, it was kind of like an all in, like, Java is the language that's coming out. So let's, like, make a framework that embraces Java and the advantages it has because they didn't think JavaScript was going anywhere. But I feel like nowadays, like, Quid is just not as practical. Yeah, and that JavaScript it did not go anywhere. Yeah, those <laughs> bastards it's like cockroaches. It's almost like it's not the most commonly used language. Yeah. I know. Have you have you seen that picture where it's like there's a guy at a roulette? It's like a comic strip, and he's like, "All right, I'm putting it all in into silver." Roulette <laughs> 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 lands on JavaScript. <laughs> and the guy had like Netflix on his shirt. <laughs> yeah, it's. I can say that because I wasn't there. <laughs> so classes, what what's the I guess what's the main thing that you would want to use a class for? The only compelling reason I found to use classes so far is for React and using the ES6 notation with React because it is it's really nice looking. But I I have firmly decided that I'm back into the the create class camp uh, because of auto, I just miss auto binding too much. Auto binding catches me every time I go from create class to the ES6 style where I'm extending component. And there's no static, so the other part that just kills me. You just, I have to call you out on that one too. (laughs) (laughs) I secretly want to drink more. It is happy hour, so, I mean, we should be. We should be be happy about it. Yeah. I I agree though, um, classes aren't good until, uh, there's a proposal in there now for static properties. Static, static properties, yeah. Static methods are already well. But I, like, classes won't be good until we like, get those in there. So other than that, like, what's the point? You have to declare static stuff outside of the class. Well, yeah, at that point, well, why are we doing it? Classes like, are great for frameworks. You know, bring in a framework, extend a framework class. I think that's really where it shines. It makes your code a lot cleaner, really easy to read. But, you know, once you start having class object, class animal, class dog, right. class golden retriever, then... <laughs> <laughs> Once that prototypic chain gets yeah. extended down like four different places, you're going to have a really bad time debugging that. There's a big benefit to just standardizing everything. I mean, we have modules, we have classes, and there's a billion different frameworks that do it different ways, but now we have one way, so we can at least look to that as a good authority. Totally. Yeah. Aside from, you know, I think there's good and bad about classes that we've kind of identified, what are some your most hatred features of ES6? <laughs> Sorry, ES 2015. What is the worst? Don't really find yourself using the name ES 2015. <laughs> Fair enough. That is actually, I think we all agree on that one. Is that a bug or a feature? <laughs> what should it be called instead? ES 6. <laughs> I probably would have taken out classes to be, to be totally frank. I think everything else in there that I'm presently aware of, because the 
the spec is huge. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. But like proxies, symbols, all that kind of stuff, I think it's, it's good stuff. So I think class is the only thing I probably would have chosen to like leave out. Well, and I think that's actually a good point, too, is I even like what you said, is the spec is fairly large. I do like moving forward is that we're going to have less features being added, and I think that will be very beneficial Definitely. and a lot clearer, and browsers will hopefully be able to implement them a lot quicker as well. Definitely. I don't like that spread works for arrays, but doesn't work for objects. Like, it didn't make it into uh, the ES2015 spec. Which is frustrating because you think it would, because you're naturally like, oh, it works for this, it works for this, but they could have thrown that in there. It's in, it's in proposal, I think, pretty late stage, but yeah, it's coming. Yeah. Also, uh, Ryan's point, Ryan A. Yeah, name like the original Ryan, please. The oh. original Ryan. <laughs> <laughs> Ryan number one, Ryan number two. There's no Ryan. Oh my gee. Well, I'm wearing my blood colors today. <laughs> <laughs> Not I just looked sure. around. He's definitely the whitest person in the room. <laughs> <laughs> but the uh, the names arrow functions like it frustrates me because I want to use an arrow function, but I also want to name it so I can debug it later, which I think be a little frustrating. That's yeah, bad. you can work around that, but that's something that annoys me. Promises? How do we feel about those? I, like, I'm in, I'm hot and I'm cold on promises. Hot and cold. Let's talk about observables now. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I think, I mean, I think it's good that they made it in, but then there are other times when I have to use them, and I'm like, oh, how the hell are they doing promises here, so. It, it's good to have a standard, though. At least there's one way to do promises, or there will be one way. There's a vision to do promises. There's not a bunch of different libraries that all have their own idioms and quirks. And <laughs> a, it's like A++, A++++. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think that... I do like it being more standardized. Uh, I wish something like observables made it in. I think that would have been nice too, is like you have the choice of using something like promises or observables. There's definitely a place for either or. I would have liked to have seen that in the spec. I don't, I don't like that there's multiple ways of doing like async things. So you have like async await, you have generators, and you have promises, and they all do similar things. So you can end up in the same result with different ways of doing it. I, I really don't like that. I prefer us to like, let's pare it down and standardize. But isn't a lot of the benefit about ES2015 that you can do so many different styles of programming now? Oh, totally. I, I think it's confusing, though, for a new person and Brian's teaching his class on ES6. <laughs> that's actually what it's called. And he's got to explain, like, oh, here's how you do async, but there's also this other way. But there's also this other way. And that's, to me, it's confusing. I think I think it's great. I disagree. Um because you, you approach a different problem, and these different problems have different idioms that are more... Like, you, you can model anything that you can mo- model an observable with, with a promise, and vice versa. Mm-hmm. And same with CSP, same with callback hell, same with all that stuff. But there are certain different ways that plot, that lend themselves better to different problems, right? Like, if you're doing polling, observables are just the best, right? You can model that with a promise, but it's a huge pain in the butt, right? And you create a, a bunch of different promises, and it's really, really burdensome to do it that way. No, I think it's great that we have callbacks because callbacks are really easy to teach, really understand, like, okay, when this happens, this function just gets run, right? Like, it's a pretty, pretty basic way to teach something, but, like, if you have to have communicating channels, right, CSP is just the best. Yeah, I don't have a problem with callbacks when you're just resolving, you know, one level deep. Mm-hmm. And I think callback's a perfect thing for that. I don't think you need to have another layer of abstraction over that. I'm still a big fan of callbacks. I don't hate callbacks. Right. On click, run this function, right? Like, that's pretty great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm not a... I don't hate on callbacks. I think it's... You can get into a mess with them if you're not okay. using them properly, is you get into callback hell. I think Ben actually had a good way of calling it. He called it the flying V, and he shows it, like Ben yeah. Lesh had shown in his presentation uh, a few weeks ago that he was doing at Netflix. It was uh, this, like... Very, very bad, like, example of callbacks, and it literally makes, like, a flying V, and I was like, oh, I love that. Like, I actually like that better than calling it callback hell, but, so I think it's, like, that's with anything, is, like, you can abuse a callback and do a poor job of it. I think that's with any JavaScript feature, is, like, you can be doing that. And I think, like Brian said, I think it is a really good way to illustrate why to use something else, like an observable or a promise. Like, you can see pretty easily, once you get in that situation, why that code sucks. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And you know, um, and then talk about like these are these are what you need. 
believe the term they used in the treehouse course on promises was uh, pyramid of doom. <laughs> I like that one too. Yeah. Do you That's like what that I always called it. Pyramid of Doom. Mm-hmm. See like what's that. worse than the Pyramid of Doom in JavaScript? Java. Pyramid of Doom in <laughs> less or sass. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. That's a whole episode on itself, I feel like, is you know selectors. diving into that and like all the selectors that you can go yeah. deep into. Yeah. Stay tuned for a future episode. Yeah, future uh, episode <laughs> of Front End Happy Hour where we talk about selector hell. <laughs> <laughs> What about uh, the best ways, like I know, Jem, you had kind of mentioned staying up to date with new features that are being added. Are there any other ways that you guys like to learn about new features or stay up to date? What are some other things that you found? Goddamn, Siri. (laughs) Siri, you are not helping us. (laughs) Hey, Siri, how should we stay up to date on ES 2016? Let me search the website. Interesting question, Lord Anglad. Say Lord so I should probably explain to you guys why certified <laughs> Lord Anglum. Yeah. Lord Anglum. Wow. Wait, does she even give you an answer or is she an interesting question? She's appeasing by calling me Lord. She tried ES6. That might have been more clear. Yeah. Uh, the way I always stay up today with it, I, I have two primary. Well, I have a couple. One of them is I just go to Jem and bug him, bug him, bug him, bug him. But that will always work. Jem's well, a smart dude. I know. So Jem, <laughs> I'm not sure I was talking about. So what's your, what's your Twitter handle? So everyone yeah, can bother you with ES6. Jem Young. At Jem Young. Just hit him up with ES6 questions. We said like three comments. There should be a new rule. If we ever go three without catching it, you just have to finish your drink. Finish your drink. <laughs> we got the shard of this dark no. rum here. Okay. It's like, Ooh, like half good. good. I think it's like a real slur here real quick. Um, anyway, sorry. <laughs> the TC39 spec's really good, but it's pretty dense. Um, you, you Be careful before you venture in there, because it can be kind of intimidating. Duality, duality.com is really, really great. Um, Dr. Axel Roshmer. Roshmer. Uh, yeah, I hope he doesn't, like, get on me. Uh, yeah. I tweet at him sometimes. He's, like, brilliant. But yeah. I probably mispronounced his name. Well, and he's really great about going in and explaining features in a very simple to understand way. Yeah, no, he, that, that entire blog is just great for deep diving into, um, ES6 stuff. Um, <laughs> <laughs> My personal favorite blog is uh, Pony Foo. Mm, he does very good. excellent job of um, digging in really deep into the, the ES6 features. Um, yep. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> and I, for, for me personally, I think the Pony Foo blog makes it a lot more approachable for me than the Totality blog. His is kind of too mechanical for me. Like, you get bullet points and very detailed, whereas the... The Pony Poo blog, I think it could give us a little bit more real-world examples. And I learn by writing code, so I can kind of follow along and look at his code. Uh, so, personally, that for me, that works better. Other than podcasts like ourselves, for staying up to date. But the podcast that I follow is uh, 5 Minutes of JavaScript. I think that one's just like really quick, fast. It's just like 5 minutes, um, and they just quickly talk about stuff. And then, yeah, like PC39, or like keeping up to date with the proposals. I, I like follow the pull request discussions. I think GitHub's like the GitHub organizations are like really good about that. They like make essentially like a whole pull request and it's just like a discussion and it's like really cool to just follow along what's going on. Yeah, it's a good way to like keep up to date right in the, the moment. Yeah. Well, some of the stuff that's coming, we keep kind of mentioning ES2016 or that we could reference it. I know it was once called ES7, but that now we're, yeah, does that yeah, count? That <laughs> <laughs> yep. So, what are you most excited for in ES2016? Well, there's literally two features. <laughs> so, you, well, which which one excites you the most? There's Ryan? either array includes or exponents. I have an array.prototyping foods t-shirt, so yeah. I'm probably the most excited for includes for yeah. something I can use in five years. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I mean, I can just use index.sub right now, right? Right. But, yeah. Um, it's nice that it's finally getting in there. It's just not super available. Unless you're using Babylon. <laughs> you can be using that now. So yeah, uh, I think that's, that's probably a good point to bring up right now is that ES6, drink you assholes. <laughs> <laughs> 
it was a huge, huge spec. And then everything else from here on out, because they're releasing every year, it's going to be two features, three features, like five features in a good year, right? So they're going to be these tiny, tiny specs that just get shipped every single year. And so don't don't get used to these big increases all at once, um, which I think is, in general, a great thing for JavaScript because it's an ever-evolving language because so many people are writing it, so many browsers have to understand it. So what you're saying is it's never going to be done with transpilers. They're going to be a part forever, right? Well, I mean, that's why they changed the name from 65 to Babel, right? Because that's ultimately not what it's going to be. It's going to be future JavaScript to current JavaScript. Does anyone know if that actually, does the name come from Hitchhiker's Guide? The, the fish of Babel? The Babelfish. Or Babelfish? I think so. I mean, I, I would really? guess it's from the Tower of Babel, right? That's what I thought it From the Bible? But I think the Babelfish is from the Bible. Yeah. Yeah, the Bible fishes you put in your I ear think the Bible came first. Like any Are you novel. sure? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I think that may have come first. Somebody write a gene name generator, like Oh, for all the JavaScript frameworks? Oh, yeah. Um yeah, that would be an will, interesting uh, tool. This is like a future JavaScript problem. In twenty years there will be no package names available. <laughs> and it's gonna be like Brian hyphen Babel hyphen ES twenty nineteen hyphen. Yeah. Hyphen please don't sue me. Wait, I just I just Googled the Babel thing because I was just so curious. And it actually is in reference to Babelfish from Hitchhiker's Guide. But, but oh. that, <laughs> wait, wait, but, and then, it, and then it, it, it continues to mention, which in itself is a re- reference to the story of the Tower of Babel. Call okay. it. So, yeah. I you can't see it, but I'm flipping them off. <laughs> Congrats, guys. We're all right. Everyone's <laughs> right. Yes, we all Everyone's right. Everyone's Cheers. So since we've been talking about ES uh, 2015 and 2016 so much, how has each of your companies been uh, integrating or adopting it? Um, like, are you using something like Babel to build? Uh, are you using it in production today? Anyone want to chime in? Yeah, so at Netflix, we're using anything that Babel supports for all of our front-end code, uh, for the website team anyway. Um, and then we're on a version of Node that supports a decent subset of Yes, six features. <laughs> you did that one on purpose. <laughs> but so it's interesting because it's kind of a double-edged sword because you get used to writing Babel code and then all of a sudden you'll try to write a destructuring assignment or something like that and then it's not go ahead and run your code on a node and bang. Yep. Up. Yeah. So we have this weird thing where on the, on the client side code it goes through Babel. We can write pretty much anything we want uh, that's in ES6. <laughs> But you do have to know, be careful of what version, you know, of Node supports what you're writing, because when you switch over from front-end code to Node code, you can't get caught out by that. Well, and which which version of Node actually started supporting some of the ES 2015? 12.012, um, right? Mm-hmm. The end with the Harmony flag. Right. Yeah. Then once they moved to IOJS... Um, then that gave up a good V8 version that started supporting a lot more. Four got a lot more, and five is yet still more, and they're about to come out with six, which has yet still more features. Do we still not have promises, or do we have those officially now? I think that, that landed with uh, the Harmony yeah. flag. Yeah. And so when you say the Harmony flag, what does that mean? What do you have to do with the Harmony oh, flag? Oh, my Harmony is such a loaded term. Um, so, well, just like the, the 30-second version of what Harmony actually means is... Um, there was competing specs for ES4. Yes, there was competing specs for ES4, which actually ended up being nothing at all, uh, because too many people couldn't agree on this. They said, well, screw it, we're just going to stay with ES3. Um, they eventually came back and they converged on ES5. But that, that original spec where they were converging together, they called it Harmony, because those two um, competing ideas kind of merging together with one. So that was kind of, ES Harmony was kind of the previous term for ES Next. Um, so with version point, uh, zero 0.012 of Node, you could run it with the Harmony flag, which basically means, hey, instead of using this old version of V8, go ahead and try using the new version of V8. Awesome. So you can just run that along, and it's actually going to pull the latest version of V8. Well, not the latest, just a, a newer version that they have packaged with it. Great. So what do you guys use to kind of tell if, you know, what you're using supports what versions or what things of the S6? 
the one you have up on your webpage. <laughs> <laughs> what's what's the one that Ryan has up on his webpage? Ryan? Uh, how do we pronounce it? Cassocks or something like that? Kangix? Kangix. Kangix GitHub. Um, compatibility table. That's that's been my go-to for a while. But I wonder if anyone is anyone else using anything different. I use I use the I same one. <laughs> use, yeah. So if he gets pissed and pulls this off the internet because someone wants a uh, copyright, maybe we should we should fork it right now. Is what you're saying? Yeah. We need compatibility table as a service. <laughs> someone rate that, please. Just don't charge for it. Don't charge for it. <laughs> yeah. At, um, at LinkedIn, we so we use we're on Ember, um, and so a lot of this comes ES6 comes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Yes, two thousand fifteen comes for free, kind of with uh, Ember CLI and all that. But one thing that we did um, for all of our legacy code is um, kind of migrated things over to use a new um, build pipeline. Um, there's actually um, a blog post about this on engineering.linkedin.com. It's pretty cool. It's a pretty cool read. Um, but it's yeah, I think it just kind of speaks to like since you, when you start writing ES two thousand fifteen. Kind of want to write it everywhere, um, and uh, so we were able to help our development team. So yeah. Two years ago at FluidConf, I went and I saw a really really cool talk. Uh, I think it was an engineer from Facebook, and he talked about how they went through and converted all of their legacy code to ES6. So if someone would come through and looking at the you know, at the code, a new engineer would come and look at the code for examples, they would see new versions of the code and not have to repeat older patterns. So they were really forward thinking as trying to make all of the legacy code ES2015 compatible. I, so I remember a, that talk, yeah, actually. So it's a really good example for new engineers to look at. And you, know, you kind of break the mold of using ES4 uh, you know, patterns. So it's pretty cool. That is a good so idea, really, too. Really forward thinking way to do it. And did they use, I can't remember, they used something, like, they built some scripts that, like, went through and actually, yeah. like, changed yeah. their code. Yeah, code mods. Yeah. It was really cool. Uh, so, previous to Netflix, I was at Reddit, and um, Reddit was, as you might imagine, is very adverse to new change. New change. As opposed to old change, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> uh, they're opposed to, like, it's very, um, just focused on keeping things stable, uptime, that, like, those are the things that are very important to necessarily like new hotness, developer productivity, those kind of things. So if you're looking for a way to introduce um, you know, battle to your build system or anything like that, the way I, I personally did it is I just did it and didn't tell anyone. <laughs> <laughs> I mean it's like so basically you had the freedom to do that. Well, I mean I, I did I didn't. I didn't have that freedom and I just did. So you what? didn't have any freedom about the responsibility. Yeah, what was the responsibility on that side? Well, like, it was one of those things that was like, hey, I've been doing this for two weeks already, and eh, I don't want to go back and try and pull it out. So Was there complaints? No, I mean, there were some people that were really happy about it. It was like, what's happening now? I was like, it's happening. <laughs> it's a good way to migrate. It just happened. It just happened. So just lie to your employer and put it in there. That's kind of what I'm getting at. <laughs> And if you get in trouble, blame Ryan Holt. No, blame him. Blame Ryan Holt. <laughs> Augustus, yeah. what are you guys doing at uh, yeah. Evernote? Yeah, Evernote, um, we're still trying to move. It's kind of a slow process. I know, like, a lot of... So we started doing, like, demo days at Evernote. And so for, like, some of the newer projects where you, like, demo stuff, um, we're definitely, like, using ES6. And then sometimes I sneak some of this code in um, with, like, transpiler. Oh, dang it. Josh, doing it. Anybody? <laughs> Don't leave Ryan hanging. Sorry, but yeah. So we're 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 we definitely like recognize that ES6 is like the way to go. Oh god. <laughs> oh, I'm terrible at this. I mean, I think Thank this you, just per, it just proves that uh, we prefer that word over yeah. what they've you know the ES, calling it ES2015. ES2015. It's not short. So you were saying that you guys are starting to use it as much as possible. Mm -hmm, yeah. um, it's just, it seems like it's a slower start. Right, exactly. I think as a newcomer coming into the Ember code base, there were a lot of things that we use consistently, like modules, all ways ES6 modules, but sometimes with... Um, oh, sorry. <laughs> Ryan holds up his empty glass. <laughs> Someone give me some beer, Jesus. <laughs> but yeah, sometimes we favor consistency in the code base over going to new things. Like We use a lot of Ember's async uh, capabilities 
That's great. I'm a little jealous. <laughs> Have you written much uh, Amber Ryan? Not recently. It's been 18 months since I've written Ember, which is an eternity yeah. in the frameworks world. So I got a rant for you guys, and this yeah. this happens all the time. Is I it, see people. Is it a rant or a shower? Thought? No, this is a rant. No, it's a rant because it's been bothering me, and I finally have a platform that people have to listen. I can feel love it. Yeah, yeah. All right. So Jump I rant. see a lot of examples, like code examples. They're all written ES twenty fifteen, oh. ES twenty sixteen, and they're like using arrow functions. They're using like all the cool stuff, like spread and rest stuff like that. But they still use bar everywhere, and I don't understand. Somebody explain this to me. Like they still use bar instead of Latin const, which are like superior in every way. But mm-hmm. so I'm gu- someone someone explain to me so why people still use bar. I'm guilty for it. I I, I don't know. It's, a, it's like I'm. It's, it's a, a habit. habit. Yeah, yeah, it's a force it's of a, habit, and I I'm totally guilty for it. I, and I will have like you know ES uh, 2016 to 2015 features in there. But I'm still guilty for it, and I love Latin cons. But oh, I'm yeah. so guilty for I'm it. I'm the other way around. Like anytime, I just type let for everything now. Yeah. So, like mm-hmm. if I ever get right. to an environment uh, where I do cons for I didn't want to say it as a favorite feature because I didn't think it was significant enough. But I actually really like let. Like sure. I, I, yeah. I don't see like why you wouldn't use it, especially for like stuff like for loops or whatever. Yeah. But yeah. <laughs> Going back to uh, hated features, cons. I love const, but it's very confusing because you think const is constant, which it's not because you can manipulate the property on a constant object and it's fine. It's only for uh, primitive types. Can you not manipulate that? That's really confusing for someone coming from another language that, that has real That constants. honestly really is. Like, can you change out an object, though? No. You can't reassign it. You can't reassign it. Yeah. You can change all the properties. Yeah. Like, yeah. You can delete an entire array. And but you can't actually change yeah. it up. That yeah. is the difference. I, I mildly disagree. Um, if only for the fact that there's not other languages. I know I'm the asshole this time, not you. You're only mildly disagreeing. I have mild disagreements. Um, if you're if you're expecting true object freeze, right, which is what what I think what ultimately we're getting at here, right? Like you're expecting a true object freeze here. I don't know of another language that actually does that. Does anyone? Not that I know. Of, like if you if you declare a constant that you can't mutate the properties, I can't. So I can can't, you not do it in C? I don't know. I, I'm not a C I, Yeah, I definitely am not a C programmer. But honestly, anything else that I've ever written, I I can't think of an example. Um, I mean, for me, it, it intuitively meant that the pointer is frozen, right? The point, like in terms of like pointing at this object, pointing at this array, but it's still mutable. And then I would call it like a deep freeze on it if I actually intended for like a real deep freeze, which honestly I'd rarely do. Yeah. Or I would declare like it's some sort of immutable structure, right? Like it, it doesn't imply immutability. For me, like, I see constant, it, it applies immutability to me. For, like, okay. if I was a brand new person coming in, I would think, oh, this is immutable, mm-hmm. cool. And, like, I know that, like, the type check and everything is going to save me, which it won't. It, like, right. you can get some, like, real nasty situations if you start. Yeah, definitely. If that's what you're expecting, then that would be awful. Yeah. I mean, it's an example of actual good meaning, like, constant does like, imply it's constant. <laughs> 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 I don't know. It's It's different. When, um, because a lot of the materials for people that are learning also haven't really caught up. So when you're learning, you start with bar. That's just how it works. And saying that you never use bar is kind of confusing to me. But I think if yeah. you're brand new to it, like, don't, don't do it. <laughs> right, but none of the teaching materials say that yet. True. Yeah, we need to bring our teaching materials up to speed. If you're not updating the any of the teaching materials that are out there and like you're searching something a lot of that is there it's like stack overflow is a perfect example is a lot of the examples will have that there they're not actually writing left rules that are teaching javascript like universities right they're they're going to be even farther behind than (laughs) anything else i think that's you're gonna have a whole bunch of people that are learning javascript at university they're going to come out writing bar Mm -hmm. but yeah (laughs) taking some of the javascript courses they they don't Nowhere near talking about like some of these like stuff. So, and you just moved out here from from college. What did you learn? How, how, what, well, I was actually style? a design major in college, and I'm self taught. But I did take some classes in our sister major, and uh, the classes that I took, I was very particular about teachers. Like a lot of students go into classes and they just blindly trust their professors. And I mean, if you're in like an IT and they haven't really updated their skills in five years, it's very obvious to self-taught people, but not to students who don't know better. 
I did have a few professors that were really, really great. Um, my professor Jefferson, which I took a JavaScript course with, and then I took a server-side JavaScript course with my professor Cody. Um, and he taught us all sorts of new stuff. We didn't really do a lot of ES6, but we actually... Oh. <laughs> <laughs> we went over like, unit testing, we did all sorts of cool stuff. So it is really hit or miss, and it does depend on the department. So getting down a rabbit hole here, but um, it's more, I think it's more important to learn concepts and, um, and how to learn new things um, more so than syntax. Because, um, you know, the, the, you're never going to be able to teach the latest of anything. Ever. No, and I think Especially that's, in, in front end that's a lot of even what we talked about in episode three of, like, how do we actually learn and stay up to date? I think that's just, like, constant, even, like, uh, if you're a professor or teacher, I think that's really important is like you should be staying up to date and also basically tell, explaining the trade-offs of like when you should be starting to use new features and all, all those types of things should be explained and even talking about something as simple as a var is like why was that used and what, what has changed when would you use something like let or cons instead. I think that's like important for people to stay up to date on. The bigger problem is that so much with the professors is just getting the curriculum up to date with the university. I mean, I have a lot of sympathy for that. Sure, and I, but I also think a little bit is on the instructors. Like, oh, definitely. Yeah, like I've I, had some bad ones. Because I think they can, yeah, the curriculum, that's, that's a hard one, but I also feel that if you're a good professor, you can start to demonstrate that right in like any at any point. You don't really have to have permission on the curriculum that, hey, I'm going to talk about like the latest features. So after talking about uh, our company's, you know, how we've switched over to ES 2015 and leveraging uh, even ES 2016, I think it's about time to wrap up today's episode. Uh, but first, let's go around and share our picks for today's episode. Derek, you want to kick us off? Sure. So two of mine are related to ES 6. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Uh, so the one thing's um, Babel's try it out. Have you have you guys seen this? Um, no. You, you just go to babel.js.io or whatever and um, click on try it out. But you can actually write ES6 and you can see um, what it would be in ES5. Um, so, oh, nice. <laughs> um, yes, the REPL, right? Yeah, so it's really handy. So like if you're like, oh, I don't really know how template strings are working, or you know, you can like um, kind of parse template strings and throw it into a function or whatever, but um, you can kind of see how that's working and how that gets compiled, so that's really cool. Second pick is kind of a shameless plug, and I just thought about it, and, um, but um, it's uh, a Yeoman generator that I built. Um, I don't know if anyone uses Yeoman anymore, but I like it because it's just a great way to structure out something. Um, and so I built one for ES6 with Webpack. Um, it's just... <laughs> nice. Telling me to try to go home there. Yeah. ES2015 with Webpack. It probably has a lot of bugs. It's, it's honestly, I just built it for for me to get something because I like we were talking about uh, whenever I start a new project, I always want to write ES 2015 now that I'm used to it. So um, it's just an easy way to do that. Um, it's called the latest greatest web app because going back to the whole npm module name problem, every single combination of ES 2015 webpack <laughs> um, combination was taken. So I want the latest greatest web app. Makes um, sense. Yeah. <laughs> Very original, right? Um, and then my third pick is not ES6 related. That was shameless. 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 Is uh, Trello. Probably everyone has used Trello. Hopefully everyone has used Trello. But it is fucking awesome. It is, um, it's just, you can, they do uh, integrations kind of like Slack does, but you can, so you can make it as complicated or as simple as you want. Um, I use it for everything from like, just what, as far as like what I want to learn next, I have an inbox column and I just, just throw it in there and then I go through and decide if I actually want to look into it more. Um, but highly recommend checking it out. Very cool. Do you have any music picks? What are you listening to when you code this week? Actually, uh, funny enough, I, I told you over Slack, um, the Massive Attack, uh, stuff that you picked last week. Great coding music. Oh yeah. It's I, great. I honestly really listen to it as well, which yeah. is really fun. It's awesome. Yeah. I heard, when I went and got around with the uh, Massive Attack, so like, Nice. Uh, Strangely enough. So good choice. Brian, how about you? What's your your picks? Uh, My first pick for anyone that will listen to me is uh, I've been learning Scheme this week, and I've been telling little everyone about it. Um, There's a book called The Little Schemer, uh, which is free online. There's a PDF. You just Google for The Little Schemer. It's it's online. 
you can also just buy the book, which is what I did. And I'm, I'm an idiot, um, and I tried to learn Haskell once upon a time, and I just got about two-thirds of the way through the book, uh, learn yourself a Haskell for great good, and I'm, I'm just not smart enough to get it. Like, I'm just not there. <laughs> so um, a good friend of mine uh, out of Minneapolis, Eric, um, recommended that I try Scheme first, because Scheme kind of pairs away all of the um, different ideas to like just functional programming. There's no like no type system. It's it's literally just um, functional programming and it's kind of bare bones. Uh, and so like I, I highly highly recommend learning uh, Scheme if that's if you want to sharpen your your functional foo. My my second pick, which is a, a since we're on the subject of shameless plugs here, <laughs> is uh, front frontendmasters.com. Um, I did two frontend masters workshops last week. And I did, I've done two previous tests. I've done four. So just like hashtag disclaimer. If you watch any of my videos, I do make money. <laughs> um, but, um, beyond that, I actually believe that they have like the best JavaScript learning content on the web. And they're definitely worth the 40 bucks a month to get access to that content. I will actually second that. I've sat in on some of your talks and I think, yeah, definitely you do a good job explaining it from like anyone in the crowd seems to be like getting the concept. So. Definitely recommend watching Brian's talks. Are, well, are, they avail- are the new ones available soon? Uh, it's going to be about a month or two from now. Okay. From when we give it, which is Sunday the 3rd of April. Okay. Um, but, like, I have two previous talks, and then Jack Hussein has a great one on RxJS. Yep. Um, Henrik Jorgsen's is great on modern web apps. Um, they, they're going to release an Angular 2 one, which is, like, amazing. Uh, Frontend Masters is always going to look like absolutely top. They do have a lot of really good talks. Like I think in general, it's like if you want to stay up to date with things, I, I am full for it. It's, it is a good site to subscribe to. Definitely. Uh, as far as my music this week, um, I'm seeing Ellie Goulding this week. So I was listening to a lot of Ellie Goulding. Nice. And Broods, they're also opening for him. So that's what I was listening to. Very cool. Ryan, how about your picks for this week? So my first pick is 1Password. Um, I had been thinking about using it for a long time, and I saw Ryan using it, and I decided to kind of take the jump, and ever since I've been using it, it's been awesome. The integrations are, are great. The plugin for Chrome is awesome. So definitely check that out. Uh, the other one is Vim Tabular, which is a plugin for Vim that will help you line up basically text elements. So I'm kind of weird and I'd love to have my all my equal signs line up. It's the worst. It, <laughs> <laughs> I, submit a pull request that I have to review that doesn't have your uh, oh, holy shit. equal signs lined up. <laughs> you, you, you've shit. definitely done this to my pull request before and I actually like that. And, like It's nice and clean. But yeah, if you have Vim Tabular installed, you can line up your equal signs. I create a shortcut for it, just two keystrokes and I got all my equal signs for all my requires lined up. It takes me 10 minutes to, to fix your floor request. <laughs> Sanitation. Yeah. So, there you go. Sanitation, Sanitation engineer. <laughs> yeah. uh, and I've been listening to a lot of 90s hip-hop this week while I'm coding, so... Like that's, Seal? What's your... Seal? Does <laughs> Seal fit into that? I don't that? think Seal's I'm like, I, 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 like hip-hop. I'm like, I picture like Dr. Dre, maybe. Snoop Dogg, Dr. Dre, Das Fex. Alright. Uh, <laughs> Sons of Infinity, 93 till infinity, that song. Or Sons of Mischief. Nice. Stuff like that. So, yeah. And then Seal, Kiss from a Rose. Set a drift on memory to list. <laughs> Great. Sarah, what are your picks for this uh, episode? Oh, man. So, my first pick is HTML5, please, which has been around for a while, but it, like, goes over which new features of HTML5 and JavaScripty things that you should use you should wait on, or you should just not at all, which is cool. And then my second pick is um, a battle on Twitter between two AI bots, because that's <laughs> fun. Um, and I also included on the subject of AI um, an article about the Microsoft teen AI that turned into a Hitler-loving sex robot. Wow. So uh, that's fun. And that blew up. Ah, yeah, that's under, under 24 hours. Yeah. Reminds me of the scene from Anchorman, right, where they're sitting in there and like, that escalated. <laughs> <laughs> that's a perfect way to describe it. They they say, like, the fundamental problem with AI is that it's ultimately going to be programmed by humans. So, and we're fallible. 
Mm-hmm. So, like, an AI is going to be just as fallible right. as you it, it made me fear the future. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it is kind of scary. Jim? Um, well, while we're on the future, I was trying to watch um, Terminator Genesis last night oh, on okay. Netflix. Terrible movie. It was so terrible. <laughs> it was just like, what are they doing here? But sorry, that's my AI rant for the day. Um, <laughs> my pick's ES6 cheat sheet, so exploringjs.com is fantastic. Cheers. Yeah. That, that's yeah, the actual name like, of it. Yeah. Give me one. Uh, if you go there, it's like a super awesome high-level review of everything in um, ES2015. So check that out. If you learn it, know it, love it, you will know like future JavaScript or current JavaScript better than everybody else. So um, that's a fantastic link. Um, last one is cultoftheparttyparrot.com. Um, just go there. Add it to your Slack. Add it to your hip chat. Um, thanks, Mars, for the link. Uh, she told me about it. My coworker at Netflix. Um, what am I listening to this week? Um, probably Kid Koala. It's fantastic. Yeah, fantastic DJ. Thank you, Brian. We have good taste in music. <laughs> all, all we do at so work all day is like just swap music links. Um, that's literally that's our entire Slack show. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but Kid Koala is fantastic. Um, give him a listen. Feel about it. Very cool. Augustus, what do you have for us this week? Uh, so I recently stumbled upon this thing called Tilt Brush that was made by Google, and it's kind of like 3D print, like you could do painting in 3D with virtual reality. I'm like super, and I think that that will be like the, it'll be like so interesting browsing the web through virtual reality, like the Oculus Rift, and like I know Mozilla has been doing some stuff, playing around with that stuff, so I thought that was like super cool. I have some tweets with my tilt brush stuff, so so go check it out. It's pretty oh, next level. Pretty cool. I, I was actually I was concerned that you were going to leave Netflix just to be like an it's artist a, and it's tilt some brush. next level shit. I yeah. made Trogdor the Burninator. <laughs> <laughs> where 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 do I find it? I want to see. Yeah, it. It's on his Twitter account yeah, actually. BT. Yeah, just yeah. check out the media links. Okay, for sure. And then um, you won't just, get it. It's, it's <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, just two other ones. Uh, there's this site called Cotton Brew. They have like really cool shirts, wow. and it's pretty. Ch- oh, is that shirt? Oh, this Cotton Brew shirt right here. Nice. Yeah. They- Ryan Anklum is wearing the responsive. Or what's the title for it? Is but it's basically responsive, <laughs> it responsive design. Responsive design. Oh, it is okay. a pretty sweet shirt. Yeah, and it has like a really chill model. Like you can just submit a design, and if pe- enough people want to buy it, then it actually sells it, and you make money okay. and stuff. Cool. So it's cool. And then the last one is this thing called Space Max. Or if, like, if you like Emacs or your Vim, it's like this thing that supposedly combines them both and makes an editor. So, pretty interesting. So. My picks for this episode were on a happy hour show. I picked uh, Lot 40 Whiskey. It's actually a Canadian rye whiskey. I, Canadian. I, 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 am from, okay, I am from Canada, but I've never actually had it until I was in the U.S. It was actually given to me as a gift uh, when I left Evernote to come to Netflix Good. Yeah, I got it as a gift, and I've actually purchased it a couple times since then because it is delicious. Uh, so, Lot 40 Whiskey, delicious. Very good rye. It's probably one of my favorites it's right good. now. It's good. Yeah, it's yeah. actually, you have tried some, so it is a good one. And then my second pick is actually since we're talking about ES2015, and I'm going to get stuck saying it, but Jem Young uh, on this panel has actually spoke at React Rally and has a video online speaking pretty much on this topic and I think it's very About valuable. Tattooing babies actually. Well oh, yeah. and yeah. also tattooing babies. That <laughs> is in there. And you you pretty much just have to watch this uh, talk. talk. It is a great it talk. Title of it. That's where I'm gonna get stuck. <laughs> no, there's no being stuck. It is stuck and I'm gonna say <laughs> it but uh, it is writing or the title is Elegant React with ES6 and a bit of ES7 at React Rally. And and this is coming from someone who has an empty glass and afraid to say it. I had a drop. <laughs> I saw that. So to wrap up today's episode, uh, let's go around and let everyone know where they can get in touch with you. Derek, where can everyone tweet at you? Where can they tweet at me? Yeah. On Twitter. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> and specifically at Derek Showers. Awesome. Brian? Well, if you'd like to troll me, it's at Jem Young. <laughs> <laughs> but if you want good tweets. But if you want the heat praises, it's at Holt Awesome. Ryan? Uh, bittersweet Ryan. Perfect. That's an at, not an uh. Sorry. At Bittersweet Ryan. It's a Bittersweet Ryan. A bittersweet. <laughs> Sarah? Mine is at Sarah underscore Fetterman. Not the normal one, that's somebody else. With an underscore. With the underscore. That's important. Yeah. Jim? 
Mine's uh, at Jim Young, but if you want to send me mean, hateful tweets, send them to Holt BT. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, mine is just at Ogberto, A-U-G-B-U-R-T-O. And if you, can, if you want to send me hateful tweets, just to it. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. That's good. You're, you're a brave man. YOLO. <laughs> and I'm Burgess D. Ryan. And that's pretty much it for today's episode. Make sure to follow us on Frontend HH. And I would actually love to hear you tweet at us what your favorite happy hour beverage is of choice. We'll send you some stickers, too. We got plenty of stickers. Yeah, we have a lot of good stickers. So Yeah, you did, actually. Someone did send Jem uh, dog photos. And, like, Jem loves dogs. So if if you send him dog photos, he's going to reply with basically you're getting some Send them all the way to Slovenia. Holy Whoa, shit. Yeah. That's awesome. I'm dedicated, man. That is very <laughs> nice. That is awesome. But it was worthwhile. Like, you, oh, you called that out. That's yeah. good. Yeah. So thank you all for listening. And until next time, we'll talk to you then.